Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Coulter, do you make New Year's resolutions? Um... Oh, I, I always do. I was thinking about what okay. mine is going to be this year. And <laughs> well, Aren't you no, supposed so, to do this in December? I mean, I, I implement it. I am. Uh, I'm a very motivated person by personal goals, and I also really, really, really kill myself and beat myself up if I fail at those goals. So, it's way more detrimental to my own mindset to make unattainable goals that I will not succeed in. Mm. So, my number one New Year's resolution is to try to be a little bit better at every element of my life every single day. Mm. Not one broad, huge goal. Take it step by step. Make it realistic. And do something today that's a matter of... Going in the direction you want to go. I had an epiphany over the break. I okay. asked, we were, you know, it's the end of a decade and it's kind of the first time we've ended a decade where, first of all, I've been old enough to acknowledge such things. But like we talked about last week, the 2000 to 2009 decade was such a weird thing because in the 20th century, every decade had such a defined era and people just remembered it nostalgically. When it became the 80s, we were remembering the 60s as the 60s. When it became the 90s, we're remembering the 70s as the 70s. And then we spent all of the 2000s remembering the 80s and the 90s, but no one was really acknowledging the decade that was happening. And then it kind of just got washed away. And now we can kind of look back on the last 20 years. And I think that in itself... It is striking, but my, uh, so we were putting together a whole bunch of stuff for Skyline Sports, including our Montana State All-Decade team, which came out yesterday, and our Montana All-Decade team will come out tomorrow, and I was asking my brother 
what's the best story I've written since we launched Skyline Sports? And he, I don't know if it was the greatest compliment or the biggest insult I've ever received, <laughs> but he said, I have no idea they're all the same. So in other words, he's saying they're either all excellent or you haven't gotten any better. And that in itself is crazy. And then I watched uh, a couple movies yesterday, but one of them was Adaptation, which is a Nicolas Cage movie from the early 2000s, but it's written by um, Charlie Kaufman, who's one of the famed screenwriters in Hollywood, wrote uh, multiple Academy Award-nominated films. But in that book, the screen or in that movie, the screenwriter is trying to turn a book into a movie, and he's talking about stretching himself as a writer. And I was thinking about how I haven't actually taken very many risks as a writer in a really long time. So, who knows? Maybe we'll shake things up. Oh boy, I like this, Coulter. I seem to don't hold any punches on this show though, because you guys just make me so mad. I know it just winds you up. Talk. Winds you up so much. Uh, I have made resolutions in the past at New Year's. I don't recall exactly what they were. Uh, this shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone who's ever known me or ever listened to this show. I'm not great at sticking to resolutions. Uh, and as such, but I don't beat myself up about them. That's the one thing I maybe would say in favor of myself. <laughs> Failed. Uh, whatever. Water on the bridge. Exactly. It's a great <laughs> way to be. You know why Denmark was ex- was 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 you know set as the happiest country on earth. You know they do these things. Who's the happiest? Sure. Denmark, the Danes. You know why? Because they don't have to pay for anything. Low expectations. Mm. And so they're constantly being surpassed because they think, well, you know, it's probably going to be cloudy and rainy. Hey, it's cloudy but not rainy. What a great day. Mm. So this is why I'm always so cynical on this show, because then anytime anything makes me not cynical, it's just thrilling. Like, I got things that I want to do better. Sure. You know? And sometimes I do them, and sometimes I don't. Don't you worry about being close to death and regretting that? No. Mm. No, I. that's the beauty of it. I don't really regret. I just, like, you know, could I have attained something more? I don't know. I don't know that I could have spent any more time with my kids, though, than I have. And I think that's probably about as good as I'm going to do, you know? So that's 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 all right. But here's the thing. I do think that it's there are moments that you have to have self-reflection. I don't know why it has to be January 1, though. That's my thing. Mm-hmm. I, I understand, like, you know... The kind of the washing away of some stuff and doing that whole deal. And I think, I actually think, I mean, there's moments where it's, where it's really meaningful. It can be meaningful and has been meaningful to people throughout time. And that's good. And it even has been to me at times. But also, I've had more, I guess, uh, uh, experiences of like, okay, I need to make this change in a moment that was just May the 7th. Sure. Because I saw something or I read something or something happened and it's like, okay, this is, you know, this is what we got to start doing now. And so, but to, I guess here's my problem. I need that to be brought on me from the outside. If I bring it up for, for, you know, from within myself, you're tremendously motivated person. I couldn't be less motivated. (laughs) Just let me sit, you know? (laughs) And so Uh. I I don't, I don't, you know, I don't need all of that. I'm not good at it. You know, that's the thing I've discovered about myself. At this point in my life, I'm, I don't know, I, I don't think I'm so, supposedly in midlife, but I am probably in the middle of my life, right? And so if, at this point, I'm realizing, you know, the things I'm not good at, I accept it about myself. Like, everybody wants to get better. That's okay. You should get better. And you do get better at some things. But also, like, if you don't have 
I, I don't want to learn how to play the guitar. I used to. <laughs> I would love to know how to play the guitar. But if, if you know how many hours and swear words it would take me to even learn a chord? No chance. So just let it be. It's not what I am. So I just let it go. You know? Okay. What are the things I can do? Yammer on for hours a day. Hmm. Let me do that. All right. Not surprisingly, <laughs> on the uh, Twitter machine, by the way, if you want to call with your resolutions, 329-1899, you can. Uh, <laughs> everybody just wanted to talk about eating and drinking on Twitter. Okay? So, uh, to tell more snacks, Coulter, no drinking until Thanksgiving. Mm. That hmm was very telling hmm, like no chance. Now, I will it's say... I, it's because I know who sent that, and it's an inside joke. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is Thanksgiving a big thing? Here's the deal. You, you know, now let's be clear. I mean, it's all, you know, within the confines of hopefully some sort of moderation anyway. But you have all, you've gone months and months without drinking That's why it's an inside time. joke, because I quit drinking for like six months last year just to challenge myself, you know, just to see how it was. Good for you. And... And you Actually, did. It was more like five months, but then I, uh, I, I, re- I welcomed myself back into the drinking world in resounding fashion on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and see, that's the thing you got to be careful because like, when you take when you take a long time off, you can't return to your former status. No, no, you cannot. And I, I <laughs> even though I am a grown adult man, I just did not put that into perspective and. It was an eye-opener. People always say, well, what is the first moment you realized you were getting older? Well, that was mine. That was one? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I still haven't had that moment. Mm. Two-tell New Honest, 1029 ESPN Radio. Coulter. Uh, <laughs> we can just go so deep with this, but I well, don't know if I want no, people no, no. to change no, the channel no, or don't, not. Don't do it. Here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue our resolution talk through the lens of Montana, Montana State, specifically mm. football. And... Resolution, you know, here's the thing about a resolution is it presumes that you have the the choice, right? The uh, uh, the the voluntarism, as it were, to be able to in, instantiate some change in your own life, and that's why it's supposed to be powerful because you're in control. You're the agent that's doing this thing. So when we talk about resolutions for football teams, it's a little bit weird because they all want to do the same thing, and that's win the natty. And only one of them's going to do it, and it's probably going to be North Dakota State. <laughs> so, but what are the resolutions as you look at the changes that a team should make mm. in this sort of broad form that we're talking about? And not like, oh, they, you know, quote unquote, need to find a quarterback, need to find, you know, this particular position coach, whatever it might be. But like, what needs to shift? For the Grizzlies, for the Cats, to you as a matter of resolution in the new year. Mm, interesting. We're talking football, right? Football. Talking football. Bowl season, buddy. Man. I mean, the Grizz, I think almost all of their projected improvements will come simply in just upgrading personnel. And I think that... I, I don't know where it's going to happen right away. Coach Houck has said two things consistently since he took over. Bobby Houck has said, one, 
This is going to be a long-term rebuild. He mentioned when he first got hired that he thought this was going to be a four, five, six-year process. He also mentioned throughout the second half of the season that he thought they were way ahead of schedule. But he said one for sure, maybe two years ahead when they all got done. Right. There's so many different ways to rebuild a program. One thing I think Montana State deserves a ton of credit for is the transfers that they've taken and by and large how successful they've been. They've been, they've been the Tyler Brugmans of the world who came in and was not good at quarterback and they only lasted half a year and then he was out. Yeah. And that really set their program back. And there was, you know, Nigel Hale and Darren Gardenheider, the two corners from Washington got in trouble. But then there's also been Bryce Dirk and Jason Scrimpos and Amandre Williams and Jacquay Allen and, uh, you know, a bunch of guys who've stepped in right away and contributed at a high level. Montana, it seems as if they are, they brought in actually quite a few transfers this last offseason, but has more often than not been the case under Coach Houck. A lot of those transfers did not rise to starting positions. And in fact, a lot of those transfers spurred on other players to take over starting positions. I mean, a guy right. like Patrick O'Connell emerged because Joe Babros was just okay as kind of an edge guy as a transfer from NC State. Mason Vineyard was nowhere to be found. I believe he was actually even academically ineligible. You know, those are the two guys from Washington State and NC State, respectively, that they brought in to try to really be edge guys. And you know, Ryder Rice was a contributor this year, but he did not, you know, set the world on fire by any means. And so that kind of opened the door for guys like Patrick O'Connell, which is, is good. But I think that Montana, I don't know where th- they need to get still better on the offensive line. The defensive line, I think that even though they need to get better there, they have the pieces there because they have guys they can continue to develop. Brayden mm-hmm. Deming's only a sophomore. Eli Alford's only a sophomore. Alex Gubner's only a freshman. Jacob McGoring's only a freshman. Those guys all have high-level talent. They have all have all have all conference potential. So they, I think that they're good there. They just need to let those guys grow. On the offensive line, I'm not sure. I'm excited to see how they can, how rapidly they can develop a lot of their younger offensive linemen because, as we know, Coach Houck wants this to be a developmental program. So how do you get better right away at corner and at offensive line? I'm not sure, and I'm just it's going to just be uh, it's going to be up in the air where these guys are at in terms of their developmental process. On Montana State's side, obviously you point to quarterback, but. It's just been so interesting to watch how this whole thing has evolved at MSU because they have been so untraditional offensively, but it came to a head down the stretch this year where that being so unorthodox made them then so hard to prepare for. And you might not be able to throw the ball that well, but when you... When you're still churning out 500 yards of offense and you're still rushing for 300 yards a game and you're still scoring 35 to 40 points a game, I'm not really sure why it matters. Yeah. Like, how do you get there? I mean, if you can go hang 48 on the biggest game of your season against your rival without throwing the ball, doesn't matter how it gets there as long as it gets there. That's right. So, So, you know, I don't know. I I think that Montana State's on a really good track. I think Montana's on a really good track. I, I, I don't really know where they could possibly upgrade unless it's just in personnel and that just all comes down to recruiting. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do, so I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup 
for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Two-Tone Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. By the way, Chris Kwasinski is going to join us here in about 15 minutes. He's the beat writer for the Southern Utah Thunderbirds men's basketball team, Southern Utah hosting the University of Montana uh, this evening, tipping off at 7 o'clock. So we'll talk to him about that game. But Coulter, I want to talk about this sort of more from like a mentality standpoint on this resolution deal. For Montana... If I can use a, a, a boxing metaphor here, mm-hmm. believing that you're just better than everybody else is going to get you a lot of wins, but also it's a good way to get knocked out. Yeah. And in, in over the course of a, you know, of a 10 fight <laughs> season or however you want to do it, you're going to win a lot. And usually with that mentality, but it also seems like if there isn't the sort of general appreciation that other schools and other teams are working really hard at this as well and you need to be ready to go in any given scenario that there's going to be moments where it goes really bad for you and the, there's a, there's certainly a disanalogy between my metaphor and what actually happens in football because when you're talking about a hundred kids or 50 kids, if you talk about the, who's actually playing, you know, getting ready for a game, they're all doing their own preparation. They're going out there. So it's not just one person with one idea or mindset. And certainly plenty of players, coaches, et cetera, are going out and preparing with that in their mind. But in general, Bobby Houck has come and wanted to reinstitute a belief of superiority about what Montana is to everybody else as a matter of reattaining a standard which once existed at the University of Montana. And I understand why you would want to go about it that way. And for uh, frankly, I don't know that it's even just a matter of a decision about this is the right way to go about it. This is who Bobby Houck is as a football coach. And so this is what it is. But I do think that failure to acknowledge the shift in the landscape of FCS college football in general and the Big Sky Conference specifically is going to be something that will not be rectified until it's recognized and accepted. And then that's when you can move beyond it. Certainly the personnel is, you know, uh, uh, obviously, I mean, that's what you, that's one of the things that you're working toward. And then once you get to that point, then you can return, quote unquote, RTD to back to that place that you once were, potentially. But also, the fact is that the landscape has changed. The, the, the teams are, the teams, there's a bunch of teams in the conference that weren't here at all anyways, and there's a bunch of teams that were here that are much better than they were. And so, in absolutely in a conference at which you had to beat, and it could be a couple of different teams, but one or two teams each year, as opposed to four or five or six teams each year to get where you want to go, it's a massive undertaking, and right. and how much that's acknowledged, it certainly hasn't been acknowledged publicly. I'll say that. Idaho State really fizzled down the stretch this year. Yeah. But Idaho State still won 
I think four, maybe five games. And you say, well, that's not a good year. Idaho State used to win no zero games. games. Yeah, and Jeff, right. Jeff Zamerlin won <laughs> six games in six years at Idaho State. Mm-hmm. Like Scott Dowling at at Northern Colorado didn't win a conference game. The Northern Colorado did not win a conference game for their mm-hmm. first three years in the league. When Montana State lost at Northern Colorado, it was like the upset of the century because Northern Colorado won its first Big Sky game. Yeah. And like and and you know Weber State was pretty good under Ron McBride and you know Rob Ash was solid at Montana State when Bobby Houck was at, at Montana. You hadn't you hadn't seen the the true true arrival on the national scene yet of Eastern Washington. They were good but not elite yeah. yet. There there was no coach in the Big Sky like Jay Hill or Dan Hawkins or. On down the line, Ed McCaffrey, call it whatever you want. I mean, Troy, I mean, Bo Baldwin being at Cal Poly now. I mean, the coaching is significantly better. The playing field is a lot more level. And this happens across college football. This is one of my favorite parts about college football is when one team sets the tone in a league or a region and everybody then tries to catch up. How did Oklahoma resurrect itself? Not resurrect, but how did they... Get Over, back. overtake yeah. Texas because mm-hmm. they chase Texas. And then once you overtake them, then then all of a sudden you're the one being chased. And I think that's what Montana has to really worry about yeah. is in a lot of ways, a lot of the big say has not caught Montana, but in a lot of ways they have. I think acknowledging that is essential. I, I honestly think that the, the microcosm of the Grizz football team is a microcosm for the university. The, the acceptance of mediocrity, the lack of institutional... Um, the lack of a quest for institutional elitism is the thing that has really taken a step back at Montana. Excellent. Excellent. Right, sure. Like, from the top down, the mediocrity has been accepted more than it should be. And I think that's been a huge issue with the football program. But also, just at the school in general, I just think that part of it is their lack of willingness to address the problems that they have. And I think that you, I think that on one hand, Bobby Houck's attitude of not considering the prospect of even losing ever on one hand, I think that's really good when you're coaching young people because you don't want to, them to matriculate and then all of a sudden manifest losses or adversity. But on the other hand, it's just the oldest tenant in all of martial arts. You have to respect your opponent. And if you're playing a combat sport, the moment you don't is the moment you get punched in the face. And so I agree with what you're saying. Well, And I think that the University of Montana has had, as an institution, some really good changes and has actually addressed uh, some of the stuff that you're talking about and has uh, some spaces in there with some really exciting things going on, some really good momentum, but it takes time for that stuff to, first of all, exist at all, and then for it to sort of express itself in the wi- wider world. Um, and I think that that in, in both the athletic department and in general is, um, well, I say with, this, with the football team and then with the school in general is happening, but also uh, it's come, it's happening in two very different ways. It's happening in two very different ways. For Montana State culture, this is hard for me, man. Uh, in terms of what what resolution they need to make, having a quarterback that you can completely rely on and who is is a a um, is can can win you football games would be major, obviously. But also, it feels like to me that this was a year that this was a season that was being built to. 
So the resolution then is how to not allow this to become complacent mm. or this to be, okay, we achieved the high watermark. Right. And quote unquote, rest on your laurels. Totally. To push forward, to continue to be uh, uh, even better than you were, even as you lose an outstanding group. That's the hard thing to do. And from a mentality standpoint, you know, to to try and pull that off for Jeff Choate, I think is the the real challenge to me. And the resolution that you got to have is that we've been working up to this point, but we only worked up to this point to get it as a foundation to move to the next point. And I think that's incredibly hard. I don't know how to do that, but that to me is the resolution that you got to have to be expectant and preparing to move even beyond what you've done. And it's not just about, oh, the national semifinal. It's about, as a team, being even better than you were, even more dominant than you were, even, you know, and so on and so forth, and finding ways to, you know, they they, they went to the national semifinal, did not win the Big Sky Conference. That's exactly you know? it. That's what I was going to say. I think that they have a, an, an intri- and a, a obvious um motivating factor because yeah. they went as far as any team has gone in, in their school's history in the last 35 years, but they didn't win a trophy. They didn't get a ring. And I think that is going to be the next motivation. I think the other thing is they built this whole thing on those Washington transfers and Jacque Allen. I mean, those guys were huge boosts to yeah. the defense. Yeah. How do you replace Bryce Sterk and Jason Scrippos and Jacque Allen? That's going to be hard. It's two tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN radio. We move from resolutions about 2020 into the first basketball game of 2020. Specifically tonight, the Grizzlies men's team on the road at Southern Utah. The Lady Grizz at home in uh, Missoula. The Lady Cats at home in Bozeman. The men on the road from Montana State at Northern Arizona. But Chris Kwasinski going to join us. He is the beat writer for Southern Utah's men's basketball team. Going to break down this game for us right after this. Coulter, it's still the holiday season. People still traveling. Maybe you have friends, family, staying over, wherever you got to go. Also, you got business, you know, conferences that you got to hold, meetings and so forth. The Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. It's a great spot right off the highway, near the airport, traveling, great resources as well for rooms, breakfast, pool, the whole thing. They're going to help you in any way that you need. This time of year, this time of year people are generally getting their next year ready to go right. a lot of meetings and stuff like that and so if you're a consistent business traveler go check out the wingate by window because their business travel rates for loyal customers they never change and so you can get the same price whether it's january or the summertime or christmas time as long as you're a loyal rewards member they got you covered the missoula wingate by window great meeting space whether you have a meeting for two or 200 they can get you all hooked up so let the wind gate by window make you feel at home even when you're not. We welcome in sports writer from the Spectrum and Daily News in St. George, Utah. He covers Southern Utah athletics and the men's basketball team specifically tonight. Chris Kwasinski joining us. Hi, Chris. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, we're certainly happy to have you here. We appreciate you doing this with us. And tell you what, it's been quite a year to cover the Southern Utah Thunderbirds men's basketball team, 8-4, and four, already a double overtime win over Nebraska. And, I mean, close game after close game. And they're winning most of those, including a two-point win over Portland State in the Big Sky Conference home opener. What have you seen out of Southern Utah here uh, throughout the first 12 games of the year? I've seen... So far, I've seen a team that has really flipped the script of their season. And I know a lot of people can say, okay, they're 8-4. That's really great, especially for 
you know, mid-major team like SCU coming out of the gate, finishing non-conference play. But you ask them, they're looking at this as more of a glass half empty as a glass half full. Because two games that really stand out to me is really stung is uh, the loss to BYU with a game where they shot over 12 from three. And that really hurt them. And it was just part of the, the season as it started on. They really struggled from the three-point land. And that uh, came up and get up, got them again against Loyola Marymount where they only scored 51 points. So you look at this team, they're looking much better offensively. The win over Utah Valley was a change, a really just changing the game for them, and and they're on a roll now. That win over Portland State was you know, a culmination of how far they've come to get here, especially with a game-winning three by Trey Marine at the winning seconds of the game. Uh, it's a it's a team that's catching fire. Thanks so much for being with us, Chris. We appreciate it. I know that since Todd Simon took over, it's been sort of a, a defined strategy. He's brought in a ton of transfers, and each of the last couple of years, those guys have had a lot of those guys have had to sit out until the semester when they got eligible. And so then the early part of Big Sky Conference play has been sort of a work in progress. But so Utah has been as good as anybody in the league down the stretch in the Big Sky Tournament. I think they've won five games over the last three years, which is as many as anybody with the exception of Weber State, Montana, and Eastern Washington. So, uh, But it seems to me like this roster is a little bit more solid. They've returned Cameron Lewiton and Andre Adams and Dwayne Morgan and Dre Marine, who you just mentioned. So, I mean, how much more continuity do you think there is than maybe in past years at Southern Utah? You know, it's interesting you say that because this is the first season where these transfers have really gotten to play with each other, and I think there's a lot to be said for that, and I think we saw a lot of those struggles because of that. That continuity really wasn't carried over until this year, but uh, when you look at players like you just mentioned, like Andre Adams, Dwayne Morgan, guys have been playing here for a couple of years, and we're also transfers as well, so they they know what it's like to be a transfer. They're really helping the other guys kind of get acclimated being a part of the system, but like you mentioned, Todd Simon's going to have these guys ready for conference play. I mean, uh, you saw in the Big Sky Tournament the last couple of years making the semifinals and whatnot. He always, ha- always has them ready, and uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to count against them, especially when they have as much depth and as much talent as they do on this roster. You know, when you talk about uh, the depth of the talent, but what kind of basketball do they like to play? Obviously, Southern Utah has been scoring points in bunches here recently, uh, but but what is the you know what is the style that is defining this team so far? Uh, honestly, you want, you mentioned the points, but I think they're just a defensive team. That's what they hang their hat on. That's what makes them so good, and I think that's what led them to a couple of their big wins this year. I mean, if you look at uh, their their offense back in December fourth, they were yeah they were sixty fourth in the nation in points per game. But if you took out their two big wins against West Coast Baptist and Bethesda, they were averaging to, they were uh, all the way back at two ninety fifth in the nation in points per game. If you take out which are basically de facto exhibition games, but uh, defensively is what they hang their hats on. I mean they're holding uh, teams to under sixty points a couple times uh, against uh, I believe it was uh, I believe it was Long Beach State is where they really cracked down and. Uh, yeah, sometimes they might slip up against like Portland State, but uh, that's where the offense coming into coming into play has really come full circle. I mean, they really struggled from beyond the arc to start the season. The first five games, I think, against uh, Division One schools, they shot 22 percent in the last five games. Now they're shooting 64 percent for three. So uh, it's a really a team that can play any kind of basketball. They're so deep, they're so rangy, they they got all kinds of tight. But when it comes down to defense, that's where that's what kind of team they are. Chris Wazinski joining us. He's a sports reporter for the Spectrum and Daily News in St. George. Covers uh, Southern Utah. They're hosting Montana coming up here in about 90 minutes from now. And, you know, interesting, Chris, that 
the Grizzlies, they've been, uh, you know, the, the, the cream of the crop in the Big Sky Conference the last couple of seasons. But they've also been one of the most veteran teams the last couple of seasons. And that all changes this year. I think, I think five seniors and three juniors at least on the roster for Southern Utah. And Montana has been starting at times three true freshmen uh, on this team. When you look at the matchup tonight, what do you see? I see it. I, I see, uh, I guess, the, the change, not the changing of the guard, but the opportunity for that. I mean, when you look at Montana, like you said, it's the cream of the crop of the Big Sky. And if SU wants to be at that level, a lot of people are expecting this team to compete for a Big Sky championship to start the season with the kind of talent they had. If you're looking to be that kind of a championship team, you have to win this game tonight at home against a top team. I mean, Saeed Pridgett, I mean, obviously, was my pick, with the media pick for the uh, big Sky Player of the Year. So he he's clearly going to be the best player on the court tonight. But you have, like you mentioned, Cam Lewiton earlier, also John Knight the third guys that can make a difference on this on the court on any given night. And if SU needs to win, or if they're going to win, those guys need to step up and not only play well defensively, but actually need to execute offensively. You can't let Montana get into a group defensive, defensively because that's uh, what Sayed I know is a player that's been able to hang his hat on defensively recently. So when you look at the court tonight, it's all going to come down to whoever plays the most complete basketball. You mentioned the fact that this team has a lot of talent. I think that Southern Utah has had talent the last couple of years. So ever since Todd Simon took over, he's done a great job of bringing in some top-line guys when you're analyzing it from the lens of an all-league type level. But I think that outside of of their camp, I think Southern Utah's had a hard time establishing itself as a real contender in the eyes of the media and the eyes of you know, other Big Sky Conference followers. So, I mean, does this team, do they, internally, do you feel like they do have Big Sky expectations? Because I think that the trajectory they've been on, they should. But, I mean, what's that process been like for them trying to prove themselves on a league level? And do they believe internally they can win the league? Yeah, I think they believe they can win the league, especially with the new transfers and stuff. And I think that belief really came to a, a peak last year when they made the semifinals with a team that was missing Dwayne Morgan. He missed most of the season, I think, around this time. Last year he got injured, missed all of conference play, so... Uh, they missed a lot of key pieces, and they still won the most games since, like, 2006 or 2007. So even with that kind of team, they were able to rally off and, and really just rattle off wins, win games on the road at home, beat Big Sky teams. So if they can, I think the, the idea is that they can do that then. They can do that now with a much more talented and deep roster. They just need to be able to come together and play as a team instead of maybe playing solo ball or maybe taking bad shots. They just need to be able to realize what kind of talent they have and just go execute. Well, Chris, we certainly appreciate you being with us. We're looking forward to basketball, the conference slate of the basketball season. Enjoy the game tonight, and uh, and we'll catch up with you down the road, all right? Sounds like a plan. Thanks for having me on, guys. You got it. Chris Kwasinski, sports reporter for the Spectrum and Daily News in St. George, covering Southern Utah. We appreciate that again. 7 o'clock tip in Missoula for the Lady Grizz, in Bozeman for the Lady Cats. Montana State hosting Northern Colorado. And then on the road, the men tonight in Greeley for Montana State and in uh, St. George. Well, actually, in Cedar City, technically. Cedar City uh, against Southern Utah. So, uh, looking forward to those games. Coulter, you have a business, and your business is based in the World Wide Web. Indeed I do. So, I'm on my computer all the time. And if you're not online, you're not making money, and it is important to make sure that you're online and secure. Am I right? Absolutely. Got to be cyber safe this day and age. 
Well, for you business owners out there, whether you have an online business or a brick-and-mortar business, it's still running through the web. We all know that's a fact. And in today's always-on world, your business demands a simpler approach to network security. At Blackfoot Communications, they deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to the endpoint devices and remote data backup for businesses across the state of Montana. They do. They're keeping everybody cyber secure and ensuring that businesses run the way that they need to across the state. So ensure your company's network is online all the time. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. That's goblackfoot.com slash business. And you can click the link right here in the old podcast. We've made it so very easy for you. Go visit and find out how to keep your business or the business of people you know secure online with Blackfoot. Here's what I want to know from you. Don't look it up. Okay. Okay. Four wild card games. I'm going to run through them in chronological order. Okay. You tell me which team you think has the biggest number associated with the line. Who's the biggest favorite mm. of the four matchups? Okay. Okay. Bills at Texans. Okay. Titans at Patriots. Okay. Minnesota Vikings at New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks in Philadelphia. Mm, Patriots. The Patriots are a five point favorite. They are the second most favorite team mm, behind the Saints. The Saints are seven and a half point favorite mm-hmm. over Minnesota. Yeah, I would put six and a half to seven and a half for sure. It it is so. Here's the thing: I've never the, oh, Vi- the Vikings aren't very good unless they have Dalvin Cook, and they need to have the. Like, Will they, they have Dalvin Cook? Or it's a good have? question. They've been holding him out the last couple yes, weeks they have. in ho- hopes of getting him back for this game, but they got to have him. Here's the thing: I would say it. I will never, ever, ever. Ever in any scenario feel bad for the Minnesota Vikings. You go fifteen and one and miss a field goal, it makes my day. Okay? I don't care about it. But for an NFL football team to go to the postseason and have to play the thirteen and three New Orleans Saints on the road in the first game of wild card weekend. That's crazy. I mean, it is such an anomaly that that team, as good as they are, right. with a greater record that they have, is playing this week. That does not happen. They're the most complete team in the NFL. They right? They are. I, I think they are. I mean, I, th- like the, I the Ravens are like the most hard nosed and they're like the newest, like freshest team. And Lamar Jackson is certainly the revelation, mo- the revelation of yes. the year. Yes. Uh, but I mean, the the Saints were way more steady despite Drew Brees' injury than the Packers or anybody else in the NFC. I, I love the Ravens. I love the Chiefs. I I love the Packers. Uh, you always talk to me about line play. The Packers' lines, both sides have been really good. Absolutely. The, the and, best in the league. And I love, uh, uh, I, I, I mean, San Francisco's an of outstanding team. The best team, when they're all healthy, stem to stern that I have seen this season, is the New Orleans Saints. The yeah. Saints. So it's crazy. I mean, this is a this is a one seed and and in a great home environment too. So I I don't know. I'm you know it's it's what it is for for Minnesota. You got to beat it. Hey, what happened last time these two teams? Played? Well, they played in the playoffs three times this decade, and it's been wild a lot. I mean, they had the, the Brett Stephen Favre. They had, they had the Brett Favre interception yep. at the end of the game. They had the Stephon Diggs. Uh, the, the controversial replay. I mean, the, the, these two teams have played before, and it's yep. been very been great. Uh, wild. It's been great. Uh, of the games I'm looking at. One, one oh, yeah. more point, though. Speaking yeah. of, speaking of the, 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 I think that the, the, I was watching the 49ers against the Seahawks last weekend. Yes. And th- this is such a microcosm of the way that pro sports has evolved. It, it used to be you, you pick a team, and whether it's 
you know, who your dad rooted for or where you're from or just who, you know, you're from Montana like me, so you just, wherever you first watch as a kid or like, I, you know, we have some back family ties. My parents yeah. are friends with the old owner of the Vikings, whatever. So, you know, some something leads you to your sports fandom, but then it was a badge of honor to maintain your sports fandom through yes. thick and thin and you identify with the fan base and all this stuff. But now... The entire franchise can completely change in pro sports. Mm-hmm. From yeah, the owner to the GMs to the coach. Yeah. The 49ers now, compared to what the 49ers were in the 90s, are just not even the same thing. There's not the same thing in any element. Mm-hmm. I was watching the 49ers the other day, and I was like, this is why the concept of fandom has evolved so much in modern life. Because take away the previous allegiances you might have ever had. When I'm watching the 49ers, I'm obsessed with them. I mean, I'm obsessed with them. George Kittle... Is my favorite football player. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. from from, <laughs> from the from the line play to the fact that they have the gumption to play a true four running back set yeah. to a fact that their best offensive players their fullback to the fact that they have the most ferocious defensive line in the league. Yeah. I mean, as far as what I like about football, they play football yeah. exactly how I would want it. But do to you be do you think they're coming out of the NFC? No. I don't either. Um, all right, Coulter. The, the thing is, Jimmy G's just not quite good enough. I, I, I like in, in, yeah. in a one game scenario when the Niners play any of Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, or Russell Wilson. I just don't know how you pick the 49ers. I'm looking more forward to the Saints. Excuse me, to the uh, Seahawks Eagles game because I think it's going to be. I, I, it might be the best game of the bunch, and it's really. Uh, well, it's intriguing to me, and obviously we follow the Seahawks. I follow the Seahawks very closely. The other game, though, that I am I am like sneaky, just beyond interested in, is the Titans Patriots game. Man, I mean the the Titans are bringing in number one runner in the NFL, and which is by the way my absolute worst take of twenty nineteen. <laughs> Derrick Henry was so bad, and he was on my fantasy team last yes. year, and I made a statement on the show that it was, was actually a 2018 long. take. It so was a 2018 take that then got thrown in my face and then rubbed the dirt square yeah, all over my yeah, cornea. Just, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I said that I thought that Derrick, I thought there was above average chance that Derrick Henry would be out of wash. the league. Yeah, he was washed. And then he went out and rushed for like 250 yards the very next game. And I said, okay, maybe it's an anomaly. And then he went and led the league in rushing this year. It was... It was remarkable because the day you said that, they were playing that night, which is why we were talking about it, and he went for 200-plus, like well Multiple into the 80-yard runs and then on my fantasy bench. Finished the season averaging like 180 yards a game or whatever it is for the last three or four games of last year. And then, yeah, came in. Now, I always find this. Dalvin Cook would have led, you know, if he, if he had right. been healthy. So, and look, the best what? The best, best ability is available today. So, I mean, you know, give give the big fellow, let him get out there and do it. But the Patriots, this is such an interesting phenomenon to me. What have, what have the Patriots always been? First month of the season, okay to actually just not even very good. And then, like, pretty good. And then December, January, no doubt. Right. Slam the door. Totally. The exact opposite has happened with this team. Totally. They were lights out. And they, they did not play a hard schedule, they did not. granted. But their defense, and their defense is still absolutely legit. Okay, This isn't all of a sudden the Patriots don't have a good defense. But they their defense is not so much better than every other defense, all the other great defenses in the league, say San Francisco, even maybe Baltimore, whatever. And all of a sudden, the susceptibility, especially when you lose at home in the way that they do, where they never lose games that they need to win. 
And now we're playing this week against the Titans, right? Nobody thinks one thing about the Titans. And it's Vrabel? I mean, this is this is this is so interesting to me, man. Now, I'm not gonna sit here and pick Tennessee or whatever, but I'm gonna tell you that it's not I I I got I'm I'm not coming anywhere close to touching this football game. I just gotta sit back and watch it happen. And maybe the Patriots go out and do it. They win by thirty five and shut everybody I mean, up. Wouldn't it be the most Patriots thing in the world? It would. It would. I mean, what, what do they... I, Unless I, it's the end, Coulter. Unless it's the end. Yeah, we talked about that last year, too. I yeah, mean, that yeah. getting close to the end, whatever. I mean, but there's Tom a lot... Brady still owned his house at that time. <laughs> there's always been this narrative that the Patriots get their butts kicked in a game early on purpose, that, like, Belichick doesn't prepare them adequately so then he can use that against the team for the next two months. You know what happens when we don't prepare, right? We lose 41-24 yeah. to the Chiefs like they did it a couple years ago in the first game or whatever, you know? I mean, this would be the most Patriots thing ever that everybody's picking against them and that because they, right. they fizzled down the stretch of the regular season. There is zero chance that, that happened last week. Like, last week was a straight loss in a game that they put everything into to try and win, oh, no, and totally. they lost to a bad football team, totally. home, period. Well, so. I mean, and the Patriots in North Dakota State have such parallels because, on one hand, regular season success is so important to set yourself up for home games in the postseason, and North Dakota State has never had to go on the road during the FCS playoffs, and the fact that they just sit in Fargo until they go to Frisco, there's no way to say that they don't deserve it, but you'd have no idea what it would be like yeah. Otherwise, it's the same thing with the Patriots. The Patriots have always figured out a way, no matter what the quality of their team, to ham and egg their way to a first-round bye so they can get fresh and then have somebody come to Foxborough. And it's been very rare that they've had to go on the road. Now, even if they win, they're going to have to go to Arrowhead and they're going to have to go to Baltimore, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pending an upset. But either way, they're going to have to be on the road, most likely. That's uh, it's a pretty interesting circumstance. We'll see how it goes. I don't... Even if the Patriots go one and done and they lose to the Titans, it's still not over. It's not over until the first, Brady the says The first it's over. 12, the thing about this team is like the first 12 weeks of the season, they had a historically good defense. Mm-hmm. And then this is how offensive, uh, being anemic on offense really can hinder the entire production of your team. Because to me, it just looks like the defense has not played at that absolutely elite level because the offense hasn't been able to do much of anything. Mm-hmm. They, but they just don't have very many players. Because the Antonio Brown thing didn't work out, and the Josh Gordon thing did not work out, and so they don't have weapons, but they're going to get weapons. They always get weapons. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. 
your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.